and now from the University of Colorado in Boulder, the College of Engineering and Applied Science presents On Cue. Welcome to this edition of On Cue. I'm Josh Roten, a communication specialist with the college. I recently sat down with Will Shrubar, an assistant professor in civil, environmental, and architectural engineering, to talk about his research into living building materials. His latest award from the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA, could fundamentally change the way buildings are made and takes its name from a classic horror novel. Great, so go ahead and tell me about your project that you're working on with DARPA right now. The project's funded by DARPA, um, and it's through their Biological Technologies Office. And it's through a new program, the Engineered Living Materials Program, or ELM program, that really tries to push the boundaries of what materials are able to do. Um, no longer Have them no longer be static, but rather ha- serve some sort of biological function. Um, so our project is, uh, is a tall order. We, we proposed to... Uh, engineer a hybrid living material, which is composed of an inert structural scaffold. So you can think of that as, as, um, as sand, like we normally use sand in, in cement and mortar, um, something that's inorganic, something that's non-living, that kind of provides a little bit of a framework for a biological component to, to grow on and to thrive. Um, and so we, we use that inorganic uh, scaffold to support the the growth and, 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 and viability of a living component. And what we end up with is a material that not only has some structural load-bearing function, but also has a biological function as well. So go ahead and tell me where the title of this project comes from. There's an interesting link to it, right? Yes, yeah, there is, there is an interesting link. So uh, Prometheus um, is, a, is an ancient god of, of technology, and it was really fire, uh, fire back then. And, if, uh, if those of you well, well-versed in mythology will recall that Prometheus was a little bit bitten by the technology that he was trying to wield. Um, Mary Shelley was inspired by this particular story, um, and so she subtitled um, her, her Frankenstein novel as The Modern Prometheus. And what was intriguing to us as a project team was um, we were also trying to create a Frankenstein-like material, and but we wanted to learn from our predecessors and actually be uh, not see the same fate uh, and be able to really control the material, uh, as so as to not get the better uh, the best of us. Um, so we uh, often will speak of this project as as the postmodern Prometheus, uh, where we have finally, um, after three tries, uh, wielded the technology that we're creating. It also uh, is, is, is pretty interesting because we're working with the cyanobacteria that are really green, so it really does look like a Frankenstein right, right. material. You, you described it that way a couple times, too. What does Prometheus actually stand for? Prometheus stands for uh, the Programmable Resurrection of Materials Engineered to Heal Exponentially Using Switches. It's a, it's a catchy title. It really, <laughs> really is. Um, the connections are, are really interesting to the work, too. Um, can you tell me about the genetic aspect that you were talking about before? Yes. So, uh, you know, nature has over millennia evolved to give us really great materials to work with um, as starting materials. And that evolution involves a lot of genetic mutations along the way. Um, so we're kind of here at the, this point in time where we have uh, bacteria and other plant cells that do some, some really great things. We know over time, uh, 
further genetic mutations will improve these materials um, and perhaps make them more ideally suited for engineering applications. Uh, so the, the concept of synthetic biology is to speed up evolution and to do some of that genetic mutation in the here and now to get uh, the products, the materials more ideally suited um, for applications and needs for society that we need today. It's nature is an interesting educator or teacher, wouldn't you say that? Is that kind of what your thesis, thought process is with your work? Sometimes? Absolutely. The, the growing field of biomimicry and biomimetic design um, does exactly that. They learn from nature um, and we, we infuse a lot of that into what we do in the living materials lab where we identify perhaps a, an organism or even a, a small molecule that nature has created that does extraordinary things. We try to mimic it in the laboratory and in the case of this project, we try to impart the ability of microbes to make those awesome minerals and materials uh, to serve the application needs that we have identified. Can you tell me where this kind of sits in, in the broader CU context? I know you're working with other professors here too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this we're essentially creating a new, new discipline in my lab, uh, which is the Living Materials Laboratory. And uh, what that necessitates is a multidisciplinary approach to um, create exciting new uh, materials at what I call the bleeding edges of material science. So that necessitates, uh, especially for this project, necessitates um, a lot of collaborators and folks who are well-versed in the biological sciences, the biochemistry, uh, gene engineering, so we can talk about our, our gene editing and, and, and metabolic engineering parts of the project, um, microbiology, uh, but also traditional material science. And since we're designing these materials for a specific application, this necessitates uh, folks who are well-versed in structural engineering, structural mechanics, and also failure mechanisms of materials. Can you kind of tell me um, broadly, you've introduced it a little bit already, but broadly what a layperson can understand about this project? What, is, what are you trying to do? Um, what are you trying to accomplish with this? Yeah, so if you look around you in buildings, materials are pretty static and pretty um, inert. And, and for good reason, uh, we want to keep our uh, microbiomes in the indoor environments uh, relatively safe for humans. Um, what we're starting to question, though, is that paradigm of why do materials um, have to remain so inert and why couldn't they, for example, self-heal? Why couldn't they impart some benefits to indoor environments like um, sequester carbon dioxide, which CO2 uh, levels, people may not know, CO2 levels are twice, sometimes three times as high indoors than they are outdoors. Um, and why couldn't these materials, for example, um, provide uh, other benefits like serve as bioindicators when there when they're elevated levels of, of toxins in the environment? Um, we see wonderful examples in nature of how communities of insects and, and other, um, uh, other species of animals can adapt and, and respond to external environmental triggers. And we're just trying to impart a little bit of that uh, to, to materials for the built environment. Can you, this is your first DARPA project? Yes. <laughs> Can you talk about um, maybe some hesitations or some interest in your part um, in working with them for the first time? Is it something where you didn't know that you could work with DARPA? Your work maybe didn't align in your mind somehow? Or? 
Yeah, absolutely. When I when I thought of DARPA as a as a new investigator, I always thought of DARPA as they would fund the genius projects and they would fund the projects that um, were impossible to accomplish. And when this program came came out and they had a call for proposals, um, I was both uh, hesitant but overwhelmingly excited because for the first time, I saw a a call from DARPA that really resonated with what it is that I did in my research group, but also where I wanted my research to go. And it opened up brand new opportunities uh, for for me and my research group. Um, I often tell my students that you you miss 100% of the shots you never take. Uh, So what I did was I assembled a dream collaborator team. Um, We came up with a crazy idea. Uh, We thought it could possibly work. Turns out it's working, which is which is excellent, um, and we we dazzled DARPA with an idea uh, because we were proposing to do something no one has ever done before. Do you still feel kind of an imposter syndrome with DARPA now that you <laughs> now that you got it? Or I always feel imposter syndrome, uh, being a first generation college student and um, having a a a background that was while it was very supportive, um, left me to to figure things out on my own. Uh, so I always feel a little bit of that. I think academics, um, especially newer academics, uh, feel that they're playing in the big leagues. Um, but what I have found with this project is um, an overwhelming momentum forward uh, with, with what it is that we're finding in our labs, um, the overwhelming interest and intrigue that, that the project is bringing, and that is into a lot of confidence uh, in what we're doing. Well, what's one aspect of it that you're really interested in, or what, what part of the science are you really excited about or talking about with people? Mm-hmm. I think the most interesting pieces of this project are that we are first questioning the prevailing paradigm of cementitious materials, and cement technology really hasn't changed in the last hundred years. And we're creating a material that could serve a structural purpose um, uh, as a, as a replacement for, for traditional cement. But I think the most important or most interesting aspect of these materials are that we are using cyanobacteria, really green, goopy, Frankenstein-looking cyanobacteria that sequester CO2. And so while we are creating a living material that's structural, um, that's living, we're also doing a little bit uh, of good for the environment um, because there are very few examples of materials that sequester carbon dioxide as they're living and that they're growing. Plants are the, the really the main example that we see and biomass is another one um, and we're using one of the microbes uh, in this project that is arguably the best at doing so. I guess I'm also kind of curious to talk about your experiences with your other investigators in that they bring a different skill set from you. Have you learned from them? What kind of process has that been for you kind of integrating with them? (laughs) The first thing we learned uh, in this project is how to communicate uh, because we all work on different scales from the nano scale to the macro scale. For example, um, learning a different vocabulary was also very challenging. So what they term as a substrate means something different to my collaborators than than what it means to me. and so they really opened my eyes to different, uh, not only different ways of looking at science and engineering, uh, but also recognizing perhaps some of the challenges we encounter and spinning that as opportunities. Uh, because sharing 
um, at least at, at my scale, at the larger scale, sharing some of the common challenges that we face in material science uh, really has bolstered some of the microbiology and, and synthetic biology that we're imparting to the, to the project. Um, and it's leading us in, in wildly cool, crazy directions. Um, can you tell me where we're at with the project right now? Um, how many more years are left? What's the work left to do? Sure. What's exciting about this is, is this was a four-year project. We were funded for four years. We're about a year and a half in, uh, so we have uh, quite a few years left. Um, and, and what we had promised to deliver in four years, we actually accomplished in a year and a half, which That's is awesome. really exciting. Yeah. And what we're, what we're hearing from DARPA is an overwhelming um, uh, positive response and, and support to, to push our system a little bit further. What else can it do? Uh, really understand the, 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 the bounds of the material um, and what applications it may, it may serve in. Well, what's your, what's your answer when they ask you that? What do you, what do you envision from this project going forward? When we, when, we, when we think of applications of this material, um, we, we frame it in a, um, in a way where, where we really have targeted um, extreme environments for, for applications, particularly military applications, um, which is, of course, what the, what the Department of Defense is interested in, as well as um, you know, the, the, the Army, the Navy, um, in addition to just DARPA and the crazy ideas, mm -hmm. they want a real application. And so where we're seeing uh, the most promise for this type of material are in applications of extreme environments where we do see these triggers of temperature, such as arid desert environments, um, even cold desert environments where there uh, may be, um, the, the environment's relatively austere, but it's cold. And that would help us then um, uh, use those switches of switching the material on and off to self-heal um, and so we see the most promise for those types of, of military installations um, in, those, in those environments. I will also say that um, an attractive uh, aspect of this, this project and the material system that we're working on is that the bacteria help grow the, the, the bulk material. And we know that bacteria grow at an exponential rate. And so instead of manufacturing a brick um, or some module one by one by one, we envision um, an exponential increase in, in the ability to manufacture this type of material where you may create one brick, split it into two, then all of a sudden you have four bricks, you split those. Um, and so it's revolutionizing not only what we think of a structural material, but how we even are able to fabricate uh, structural materials um, at an exponential scale. And that kind of goes back to what you were talking about, how it's a new field and a new area kind of developing. Is it challenging not having other people around to kind of see what they're doing? I mean, you're kind of pioneering this in a lot of ways. Is that a challenging aspect? It's a challenging uh, and exciting aspect, I would say. Um, we, we are rooted in our fundamental disciplines. All of my collaborators are. Um, we are viewed in, in some cases as... Uh, just like DARPA is viewed as, as the ones with the crazy ideas. And while we are still some years away from seeing a, a true application of this material, um, we do feel uh, that in essence we are creating this new discipline and we're inspiring others to push what is the definition of their own disciplinary boundaries.
great. Well, thank you for talking with me about it. You bet. This has been On Cue. For more information, visit colorado.edu slash engineering. <laughs>